Today, we're talking with the amazing Megan Facero. You've heard her on this podcast several times before, and we dragged her back in. She's here from Benedictine College with two lovely homeschool graduates, discerning religious vocations, every mother's dream. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Lisa Maladnik, and today we have two homeschooled graduates discerning religious vocations and the lovely Megan Facero, one of our favorites. Let me introduce the girls to you first. And please just give us a little hand wave when I say your name, girls, so we know who you are. Annabeth Demery is a senior theology major at Benedictine from Houston, Texas. She's a graduate of the homeschool program Mother of Divine Grace. When she's not singing Disney songs or writing poetry, she can be found going to adoration, getting coffee with friends or spending time with the Women of Mary's House and St. Paul's Outreach. Favorite topics include psychology, beauty, and the wonder and mystery of the Catholic faith. Welcome, Annabelle. And we also have Colette Kassar here. You're so welcome, hon. Colette Kassar is from Peachtree Corners, Georgia. She's grateful to be studying theology and evangelization, catechesis as a junior. Benedictine has widened her heart and mind beyond her wildest dreams, especially through the honors program and college ministry currently is the chapel team coordinator. She loves whistling and talking about books and historical films. Her mom homeschooled her with a curriculum hodgepodge until she attended high school online through Colby Academy. Welcome, Colette. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Megan Facero is the Homeschool Outreach Coordinator for Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and has held various positions at Benedictine College over the years in the student life and ministry departments. Along with her work in the Office of Admissions as the Homeschool Outreach Coordinator, she's a study abroad program director and parent outreach coordinator. Her best job title, however, is Homeschool Mom to Julia, who's now a senior at Benedictine College. Megan and her husband, Matt, live in rural Atchison County, Kansas, and you can find I'm Megan Facero at Benedictine College. She's at www.benedictine.edu, and that's in the show notes. All right. So much fun to have you all here. I'm really excited about this conversation and appreciate your time. It's getting into finals time and final projects. It must be just crazy for everybody. So, Megan, why don't you just say a little about uh, how we're coming together here today? Sure, Lisa. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be back on the Homeschooling Saints podcast. And this time, I'm so happy to be joined by a couple of our great Raven students here at Benedictine who are homeschool graduates. And in my role as homeschool outreach coordinator, I get to work with all of these lovely students who come here to Benedictine from homeschooling families. And when we were, you know, Lisa and I were thinking, what, um, what are some something interesting happening at Benedictine right now. And I and what came to my mind right away was this new program here at Benedictine called Mary's House. And Annabeth and Colette are both involved in that program. So I thought for all of our homeschooling families who are wondering, you know, what if I have a, a daughter or a son who is college bound, but they're also interested and open to religious life and to whatever God's call for them might be. Um, I thought Annabeth and Colette are just great examples of students who are here pursuing their academic degree, living life to the fullest here on campus while they're also discerning a religious vocation. So 
kind of these two girls are just doing it all while they're here. And I, I thought um, for families out there, it might be interesting to hear how that's possible, especially at a place like Benedictine. Yeah. All right. So let's just start. Uh, I guess we'll just go in order of the introductions just to get us started. Annabeth, just say a little bit about what your family uh, did to cultivate a culture of vocations in your home. And then we'll we'll find out, you know, what, what Colette has to say about that as well. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. I, so I grew up in a family of uh, seven kids, homeschooled all the way through. And I, th- I think one of the biggest things that my mom did to cultivate vocations was just to talk about it. I, she was always definitely open to the possibility of any of her kids discerning and actually encouraged us to discern with at least a couple of communities before we decided whether we wanted to get married or into religious life. So just that openness that she always had, and I always knew it was a possibility, even from a young age, I think really helped whenever I realized it might be something I was called to. Wow. that I love the simplicity of that, just talking about it. Just having it be a topic in your home, thats that takes a lot of the pressure off, I think, for parents to hear that. <laughs> How about you, Colette? What was that like for you foundationally? Yes, thank you. It's quite a surprise to be on a podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, for my family, um, I, I would say it's not so much that we talked about it or not even that I saw um, religious sisters around until um, like we went out of our way to find them. Um, they weren't close in our diocese, um, but it was really just that my parents taught me that you can know Christ, like he is, he is someone to be known, and and then he'll tell you <laughs> what he asks. Um, and so they took us to adoration when we were little. Um, I remember like uh, my mother taught me to write letters to him um, and little things like that. Um, make a huge, huge impact. Ooh, that's so touching. That really is just that Christ is someone we can have a relationship with and just the image of a little girl writing letters to Jesus. Oh, you're going to bring tears to my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, did you want to pop in there? I felt like you had a comment. I I was just going to say I was getting tears in my eyes too, just thinking (laughs) about that, the beautiful opportunity that we have as homeschool moms to just plant these tiny little seeds in the lives of our, uh, our children. And it's so simple, like what Annabeth and Colette said, but so impactful. And so what an inspiration for all of us homeschooling parents. Oh yeah, for sure. When you, when we find out how simple and how like, aha obvious these things can be i think it just removes a lot of the clutter and worry from our minds because i think parents we have a we a lot of us tend to worry probably more than needed um okay so let's go back around and uh, annabeth or or colette whoever wants to jump in first at this point let's loosen it up a little bit what kind of support do you want right now in this process of discernment what really helps i think what's helpful for me is just knowing that my family is supportive of my vocation and that I can talk to them about it. I know there are a lot of people uh, whose parents, it's not that they're not supportive, but they were the kind of parents who like would pray for vocations, but be like, but not my kid. Um, <laughs> and that that's something you hear a lot. And it's hard, like women struggle with this when they're discerning and they don't have the support at home. 
so it's helpful to know that my parents are willing to help me with this and to and to just listen and to be a part of this journey for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Colette? I think in my family, um, it's kind of funny. We have a wide range of um, yeah, of relatives who, who know, you know, about the faith and um, what religious life even is, and then others um, who don't. And so I think more than anything for my parents, um, I was very shy at first when I was discerning. <laughs> I was extremely shy, um, but God used everything. And I think then at that time, what I um, appreciated the most um, was the ability for me to know that I could go and um, and uh, ask them to like drive me to an archdiocesan um, vocations event or like, um, you know, uh, things like that, just concrete little ways, um, but that they wouldn't then instantly assume you know, congratulations on entering the convent. Tell us your entrance date. <laughs> um, and that they could respect it um, as something that I did not know and, and would not know. And it's it's not something of my choosing. It's something he chooses. So um, just for, like, again, the simplicity um, and, and not any pressure in either direction, um, but to listen and to offer, um, to offer their experience, too. Lovely. Yeah, the practical support. Annabeth talked about the listening. What else, Annabeth? I I do agree with that point for sure. Like, uh, I like it whenever people, whenever you're discerning and people don't immediately assume that that community is where you're going to be for the rest of your life. It's It's an interesting balance because you want to be able to share with people where you are, but at the same time, a lot of people assume, okay, you've talked to one convent. That's it. That's where you're going. <laughs> and it's it's not always that simple. It's a bit of a journey. And it's it's nice to have people who appreciate that and are just like walking the journey with you. Mm, yeah. I wonder why we're in such a rush to put people in, in pigeonholes, right? It just makes us feel like, okay, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> For my parents too, I think they had... Um, they do have a, um, and well, yeah, my whole, my family and the whole community that I was growing up in, the homeschooling community, the Catholic community, um, it was very healthy for me to understand that um, before I could say yes to religious life or when I get to do that, um, you also have to, like, you should see the beauty of married life. And so, um, to be able to see both of them um, as a good um, is, is just healthy. <laughs> mm. That's such a good point. Because I get the feeling just based on the way you both have talked about the support you've received, that even in your own homes, you're, and no marriage is perfect, of course, and you see that up close, right? You get to see warts and all, <laughs> but you also get to see the grace at work and you get to see the beauty, the ongoing growth and the iron sharpening iron of, of a marital relationship. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? What you're seeing in terms of other vocations or the other vocation? <laughs> I think um, actually in specifically in terms of the types of religious life, um, I, I'm the oldest girl in my family, and I had been discerning kind of for a while. 
um, since I was pretty little. Um, and then my younger sister, she um, kind of all of a sudden, <laughs> she began discerning um, as well. And she ended up discerning um, a cloistered vocation. And so she recently entered a Carmelite monastery um, back in September. Um, and it was, um, it has been um, extremely hard on my family. Um, and so I think something that we didn't know was how different, like I think everyone, myself included my family, we had this idea that like religious life is religious life and it's all the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can just kind of assume that, but to realize that um, whenever you kind of make it comfortable um, in your head and you think, okay, that's what it is. That's what my child might be doing. Um, you have to be open <laughs> because he always asks more. And um, to see my parents and my whole family um, learn to let go from my sister as she um, let go of us um, to enter something so drastically <laughs> different um, than anything. We knew nothing about the cloistered life. Um, it taught me uh, a lot to see the trust that we were like forced to have <laughs> and it, it's continuing to grow. Oh we yeah. We pray. I was, I would think that that would put some pressure on you at this Colette, like, Oh, now if I, if I discern into a cloister, this is going to be doubly hard for my family. Have either of you had the feeling as you were talking about vocations or sort of uh, revealing this to others, revealing a journey that anybody reacted with trying to tell you one way or the other, or, you know, because I know I've heard conversations like, you know, with priests and people who love their vocations that they were not the kind of people necessarily that people would have predicted would taken up, would have taken up that life and then they loved it. Like sometimes we life takes surprising turns and sometimes people say, oh, yeah, you're perfect for that. And other times they say, really? What were the reactions that you got from people? I definitely got a lot of people telling me, oh, yeah, I kind of knew that. <laughs> it it was it was very interesting I was a little bit taken aback as a teenager when people started telling me this they're like hey, I kind of always saw that coming I uh, I think that that's it's a funny story but I also think that we need to be careful especially with young teenagers who are just beginning to discern to not push them in one direction or the other because you really are influenced by like your parents and the adults in your life at that age, whether they know it or not. Um, and it can have an impact. Like if they, if you think that someone really thinks that you should do something or shouldn't, uh, it can sort of push you in that direction, whether or not that's actually what God intends for you. I think it's better to encourage uh students to look into it for sure and to take it to prayer and to develop a relationship with God. That's really good and really important, but not to be like, Oh, that's definitely what you should do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Annabeth. I feel like we all have opinions and sometimes it's just that we don't want to let people go. You know, mm -hmm. um, what about you, Colette? Did you run into any of that? I definitely um, received very like differing of opinions from different people, especially on um, when I should really begin um, pursuing it um, and the next steps to do to take. Um, but I think um, what God slowly is like whacked me on the head and taught me 
has been, um, like, yes, he's blessed me with so many wise people, um, my parents, um, a priest friend, you know, other um, friends of my parents um, and some sisters to listen to. But I think more than anything, if you listen to anyone and to everyone, um, you're just going to get lost um, and confused. So to listen to those who actually um, know you well and the people that you um, trust and and wants to be like the people that you can see um, like are just overflowing with their own love for God, however it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, who so know you. beautiful. Yes, the love of God coming through other good people is such a place of that truth, beauty, and goodness, right? Where we can rest in in that kind of love and, and input. Um, if you had to identify a North Star, some touchstone in your own life that helps you to stay in that real place of discernment and kind of cut out the clutter and the noise, is there something that in particular helps you as an individual? Might be a practice or a devotion or a saint or a thought that God gave you at some point. What, what helps you to stay on your course here? Um, I think for me, especially um, in my time here at Benedictine, um, it has been um, living in community in the Mary's House program, um, or even before I came to Benedictine, um, to share my discernment with um, someone else my own age. Um, I had a good friend, and she's um, she was always discerning marriage, and I was always discerning religious life. And now um, she's engaged, and she's getting married. Um, this summer, but um, it's all it's all um, ultimately in pursuit of <laughs> one man. And um, when you are sharing your experiences um, and your struggles with um, someone your own age, someone close um, who's right there in the same boat with you, um, they point out they're able to give you um, <laughs> fraternal or sisterly correction <laughs> and point out. <laughs> Um, maybe the things that you're a little too stuck up to notice about yourself um, and keep you humble. And that's definitely been um, what Mary's house, the community has been for me, because you see, um, you feed off each other's um, good things and then you, you know, rub elbows and hopefully purify <laughs> um, your, uh, your distracting tendencies. Mm, yes, yes. I, th- I think there's a similar situation for me. I think that what's most helpful is to be around other people my age who are also discerning God's will for them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be people who are discerning religious life. Mm-hmm. Hearing the vocation stories and the uh, discernment journeys of other people is really helpful because you can start to recognize the way that God is moving in other people's life and compare it to how he works in your life. But it's also helpful to hear from people who are discerning marriage or even I have a friend who was discerning whether or not she like her college major and you sort of recognize the same patterns in the way the Holy Spirit speaks to people. And it's reassuring when you know that other people are a little bit in the same boat. Yeah. And they'll also help wake you up on days when uh, you, the last thing you want to do is pray morning prayer um, and just remind you, you know what, we haven't had any good recreation in a while. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> 
Mm, such a good point because we want discipline in the spiritual life, we, but we also need that lightness of being. We need to be able to rest in the Lord and have fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. All right. So let's, uh, Megan, did you want to pop in there on this? Because as a mother and, and someone who is working closely with these young women. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I keep thinking about, um, Annabeth and Colette, is how how can we as mothers, what how should we encourage our daughters, you know, to pursue an academic degree, at, you know, saying like, yeah, this is really good and important, and, and the academic work is essential, um, but also, you know, say, but there's... We, we recognize that there's room for discernment of vocations at the same time. Is it too much to ask of our, of our daughters to do both, you know, at the same time? Is it, um, does one help the other somehow? Are they both important? Like, how, how do you balance um, that? Like, I'm really pursuing this degree, but I'm also open to whatever God calls me to do with that degree. I think... Um... More than anything, like, unfortunately, it, it is, like, so personal because, like, for my sister, um, she didn't go to college. She went straight um, to the Carmel after she graduated high school. Uh, she graduate, graduated Colby. Um, but for me, I really had um, peace to know that I, I'm. he's asking me to be here and he's asking me to be here. At first, I thought, okay, just two years and then we'll see what he says. Um, and I, I do think it's going to be, you know, all four years. Um, but I think um, more than anything to uh, never like have the mindset, I guess this is more for the woman um, herself, um, but mothers can help foster this, to never have the mindset that um, you're going to, you know, get yourself ready. Um, and then at one point you'll be like all set and, uh, you know, um, fully prepared <laughs> to um, enter, um, any religious community and that you're all, you know, fixed and, (laughs) um, set to go. I'm not (laughs) quite sure how to say that, but, um, especially if you're, if you're pretty sure that you're, uh, hoping to enter a community and you're waiting. Um, and I think that's a tendency that I've, I felt, um, and I've had to, to fight to know that he's the one, um, who gets me ready and you can never, stop <laughs> growing and getting uh, closer to him, um, whether that's in how you can, you know, accumulate more academic gifts to bring to community um, or to just know that you might be washing dishes for the rest of your life and, you, you know, um, you're not quite sure what will come at the end um, and to just let him take care of it. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of how many great saints have done menial work in their orders, Father Solanus Casey and others who were like porters and things like that, people that just answered the door and changed thousands and thousands of lives through the witness of their love for God. What did that bring up for you, Annabeth, this this coming together of the academic and the spiritual pursuits? Yeah, I think the important thing to remember isn't discernment, it's God's timing, it's not ours. So we have a chaplain here, Father Simon, who once gave a homily in which he said that discerning your vocation is less trying to solve a puzzle and looking for clues than it is a conversation and waiting for a phone call. It's not so much something that you can 
uh, really affect the timing. And so for some some people, it will be before they even go to college and they might finish their education uh, while in formation with their community. But for a lot of us, it's a longer journey. And in the meantime, it's really helpful to to just live your everyday life, to become a saint in the meantime. Uh, because really uh, living your life as a student and uh, following God's will for you now will be great preparation for your vocation, as well just going to adoration and spending time in prayer, developing a good prayer life while in college. These are the things that will help you develop a relationship with God and help you to know whenever it's time, whenever he's telling you, come. Wow. Wow, beautiful. Um, in in our remaining time, and the three of you can jump in, but I'd like, Megan, just to, to say a few words about what colleges are doing to support students in this process. Tell us a little about what's happening at Benedict, and um, don't expect you to give us an overview of what all colleges are doing, but tell us what's happening there. And then, girls, I'd love you to just be thinking about what are some final thoughts to anyone listening to parents and, and teens and anybody else who might hear this conversation, Okay. Go ahead, Megan. Yeah, yeah. What I'm super excited about is the development of this new Mary's House formation program for women in discernment. Um, so that has is is new to Benedictine and is growing nicely. Um, there are different levels of formation for women who are at different points in their discernment process. So you can be brand new to the process or a little, you can kind of say, no, I'm pretty sure I'm ready. You know, I'm being called and, and there's a little bit deeper formation available for those women. And next year, there'll be an actual physical house where the women will live together in community. And they're supported by um, what I think is most important is that the administration of the college is is all in on this. And so there, the administration is actively attracting religious orders to come to Benedictine and to be a part of this Mary's House formation program, to be working right alongside the, the women of Benedictine to um, prepare them for whatever God's calling them to do. So I think that that is a beautiful gift for our women right now. And that has kind of flowered into some other things like a retreat that just happened a few months ago um, called Responding to Jesus. And that was just a, a beautiful experience for those women. Then we have other uh, women's and men's discernment programs on campus as well. So we have Magnificat, which is a women's discernment organization. And then we have pizza priests and monks for the men on campus. So um, they, they can gather monthly with the vocation director from our archdiocese, but also with the vocation director for St. Benedict's Abbey, which is located right on campus. Um, and, and Lisa, when you were mentioning Brother uh, Solanus Casey uh, as the porter for his community, it made me think about our religious the, that we have right here on campus, our, the monks of St. Benedict's Abbey. And I was wondering, um, Annabeth and Colette, if that the monks on campus have had any um, impact on your discernment process. Cool question. Definitely. Um, to see their obedience, um, no matter um, whatever they're asked, um, however they respond to their to the abbot, um, and to see how much they love each other, even though they're very different, <laughs> um, is is like the best witness you could ever have. And it's right here. Um, you see them praying um, and how stable their life is. Um, and, and they invite everyone else to come and partake in their life of prayer and work. 
Yeah, I'm becoming just more and more convinced how important it is to um, spend some time nearby a religious community like this. And so, you know, here at Benedict, I think that is one of the benefits that we offer our students is that the monks are right here. They're praying Liturgy of the Hours every day of the year. Students are invited into that. They offer spiritual direction and provide our sacraments. Um, and, and there are numerous opportunities for adoration. Um, and so, so just having that just right here is just a, a minute's walk, you know, from your residence hall to be able to witness these men who are living in community um, day in and day out is pretty priceless, I think. Mm. Mm. Annabeth, you want to comment on that before we get your final thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would definitely agree. One of the best things about Benedictine is just we're immersed in the faith here. Um, it is a place for growing in community and academically, for sure. But it's also a place where we're literally five minutes from like seven adoration chapels and uh, have uh, the Eucharist and confession available to us every day of the week. And where I think most importantly, the monks are there to set a good example for us and and to challenge us to be saints because they're living their lives that are in obedience to the will of God. And they're challenging us to do the same, um, especially in the homilies at Mass a lot of times. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. All right. Girls, take us out with, I, sorry, I'm saying girls, I'm so old and you are so <laughs> fresh and beautiful and young. You are young women and I appreciate you and your maturity and your beautiful spiritual journey. So take us out with your final thoughts. I just want to mention another way that um, we're supported has been um, by seeing like here at Benedictine, um, we see, so at Mary's house when we gather um, once a week, to have our recreation and our little class um, and our time with the sisters, whoever's here. Um, the women of Atchison and the families of Atchison, they make the meal um, every week <clears throat> and they've provided food for um, the retreat. They've hosted um, the Magnificat events. And so to see how many people we have no idea, we don't even often know their names um, and they do it so quietly behind the scenes. Um, it's, it's a miracle, and it, it speaks volumes as to the people praying for you, um, however your your vocation um, turns out to be. Um, it's, it's astounding, and it makes you just know um, in a way that I've never known it before, the universal church, and it's alive. Ooh, thank you. Thank you, Colette. Wow. Give me shivers. <laughs> I think my final thought... Well, it's twofold. One is an encouragement to parents. Um, help your children know God. Take your children to adoration and uh, pray a family rosary if you're able. Lots of people have small children and it's difficult. I get it. Do whatever you can. We did, we did morning prayers as a family. It wasn't a daily rosary when I was young. It was a little bit when I was in high school. I pray with your kids and help to know Jesus, because that's the best thing you can do for them. That's what vocations love. It's not uh, some relationship they have with God for their entire lives. And to to young women out there, I would say just don't be afraid, because God loves you, and he wants your good, and anything that he has in mind for you, 
will be the best thing for you. And you don't have to know right now. He's gentle and he takes it one step at a time. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, I think we have this fear that there's going to be this net that drops over us and we're just going to be whisked away into a vocation. But it is a conversation, right? As you said earlier. He thinks thinks of everything. Oh, yes, he does. (laughs) Praise God. And that image of people's prayers and the church and the family influence is just all so beautiful. I can't thank you enough, Megan, for bringing us together, Colette and Annabeth. God bless you. Be assured of all of our prayers on your journey. We are we so appreciate you. And I know, Colette, you're in a space where people are going to be coming in at any moment, too. So we want to just wish you both uh, God bless you and Godspeed in your final exams and projects and things as well. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, Megan, thanks a million. You're awesome. Oh, thanks for having us, Lisa. <laughs> I think I think Colette and Annabeth need their own podcast. Wouldn't that be fun to hear? Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> I, I am here to support you. <laughs> Call me. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with us. But stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to share with you a fun young adult mystery called Where You Lead from Catholic author Leslie Wall. High school junior Eve keeps having visions of a boy she's never met. All she knows is that his name is Nick, and she thinks she's supposed to help him somehow. After a while, Eve starts having difficulty telling reality from the visions, so she seeks help at school. When neither the school nurse nor the counselor offer any helpful suggestions, Eve turns to the elderly priest at her parish. He reminds her of the story of Samuel, who kept hearing a voice calling for him in the night. But when he ran to the priest Eli, Eli said that he had not called him. Finally, Eli tells Samuel that if he hears the voice again to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Eve realizes she needs to pray about what these visions might mean. She decides to ask God for help and promises to go wherever God leads her. When she learns that her dad has been offered a job at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., right after she's had a vision of Nick in D.C., she decides to convince her dad to take the job and move the family from New Mexico to D.C. Once there, she finds Nick, who turns out to be the son of a newly elected senator. Nick had been the one to convince his dad to run for office. So now both Nick and Eve feel like they are on a mission from God. Cue the Blues Brothers music. This mission involves stopping a foreign entity from getting his hands on a potential treasure that was buried years ago during the Civil War. Nick and Eve follow the clues to the treasure around historic sites in Washington, D.C. Woven into this mystery is a little romance, because of course Nick is a handsome boy, and lots of fun characters, like Eve's cranky neighbor in her new apartment building, and the rule-breaking teenage daughter of an ambassador. If you know a teen who likes fun mysteries set in historical sites with a little romance and humor, you definitely need to check out Where You Lead by Leslie Wall. For more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. Also, check out my YouTube channel to catch episodes of Catholic Live, where I interview Catholic authors with new books releasing. Just search for AJ Catapan on YouTube or follow the links on my website, ajcatapan.com. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Until next time, happy reading.
That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.